So good, so good to be with you. I'm excited to bring the word to you today. I love this topic as Pastor Ken had just shared with me kind of the series that you guys are in with just really conflict and confronting conflict. And that, that word in itself can be very intimidating because a lot of times we hear that word conflict and it's not a comfortable word. Like well, most of us in this room don't like conflict. There's only about 10% or 3% of the population that do like conflict. Some of you in here, it's your personality. You don't mind it a bit. Matter of fact, you look for it. Like you don't mind confronting things. It just doesn't bother you a bit. Like, matter of fact, you're looking. So, yep, we got a hand right back here. We got, I mean, see, right there. He's just, that's me. He, they'll own it too, the conflictors. But according to our personalities, as they break all out, the majority of us in this room don't like conflict. We're peacemakers. We want there to be peace. Let's not have any arguments, no discord. I am one of those types. I, I, I like there to be peace. Matter of fact, I used to think when I was getting married to my wife, which we've been married now 30 years, and yeah, and 30 years, and I used to think that a conflict-free marriage was a healthy marriage. Like that was, that was God's design was for my marriage to not have conflict. I found out real quick that's not true. <laughs> I found out within the first two weeks of marriage that is not true, that really conflict is not a bad word. It's really not a bad thing. It's actually a very good word. Because what conflict really just simply means, one, conflict means that we're in disagreement or not in accord with something. But what conflict does is it simply just means turn your face towards that what you're having to do is you're having to turn your face towards a situation or an issue. And it may be uncomfortable because that's what conflict does. It makes us question why we're doing what we're doing. And then we're just supposed to be able to listen and learn and grow and then come to peace. So when God's word, God's word brings conflict to us all the time. Because the Bible even talks about it that what the flesh desires and our flesh wants is in total contrary to what the Spirit of God wants for us because God is always trying to make us better because we are born into sin. We're born into selfishness. That's why we have this struggle and the conflict within inside ourselves in dealing with all these different issues. But conflict simply means to turn your face towards. And I know because a lot of times conflict is negative because of the way we saw it maybe growing up. Because we all see life through a lens and a filter of the world around us and how we grew up and how it impacted us. So if you had parents that didn't have healthy conflict resolution or know how to handle conflict, then all you saw was an example that was what was conflict was like. And you probably said, I never want to do that or be like that. And then we grow up and we end up finding ourselves in conflict. And what happens? We're doing it exactly the way we said we would never want to do it. It's the conflict with inside of us. And that's really what I want to talk about. I love this series. Jake did a great job. I listened to his message last Sunday about just how confronting conflict and then doing it through thanksgiving, how you, you face conflict by being thankful and grateful. And then the people in your life around you to help you and the local church and the, just the power of being a part of the body in the local church. Today, I want to talk about confronting conflict within yourself. We're from within. That we all find ourselves at times in our life where the conflict is right here with us. 
We're constantly finding a battle within ourselves of what we know we should do, but we don't do it. What we want to do, we don't do it. How can we just always have this battle? Why can't we ever just do the right thing when we want to do it? Or how come it can't just be easy? All the conflict that goes on within ourselves. And it's very natural. It's like I said before, God's Word gives us incredible insight in how to help us deal with the conflict from within. I love Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's really what Jake really talked about last week, that people help us sharpen one another. My wife in marriage, that's what conflict does in marriage, in friendships or relationships. We're going to have conflict. The Bible, the positive side of it is, is as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen how iron is sharpened, but it causes friction. It's not, a, it's not an easy process. It's friction back and forth, the conflict back and forth. But the difference is in how we handle conflict. That's the game changer. Because you can take conflict and you can handle it one way, and you can take a blade or that iron and you can hit that concrete on top or that, that on top of it with that conflict the wrong way. And what happens to that piece of iron? It flattens it and it makes it not useful. You can take that same piece of iron and you can hit it with conflict a totally different way. And what happens? It sharpens that piece of iron that turns it into a blade that can do some work for you. It can make it a useful tool. Matter of fact... Iron can be sharpened so much that it can be turned into a scalpel and save a life. It's the power of how we handle conflict and the conflict that happens within us. And I love the Apostle Paul because he helps us with internal conflict. He gives us an insight with his own internal conflict. That's what I love about God's Word is it's so authentic, it's so real, and it relates to us even today, though it was written thousands of years ago because they're principles of truth that work in our lives. And the Apostle Paul struggled with this conflict that was inside of him. And so I want us to take a look at it in Romans chapter 7. I love the book of Romans. He was addressing the church at Rome and encouraging them. And he was encouraging them with the conflict that he was finding within himself and really where it stems from. And I want us to read it together. If you don't mind, would you stand on your feet with me here this morning? We're going to read this together. I'm going to read it. And then the last verse, verse 25, we're going to read together if you can see it. But stand on your feet with me as we read God's word together. Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, this is what the Apostle Paul says. I do not understand what I do. Does that speak to anybody right now? I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that it is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do, good, do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. I think that's where the term came, the devil made me do it. I don't know that for sure, but it would probably, Paul, I think, coined that one first. Well, actually, Eve did. 
at the garden, right? She said, the devil made me do it. So then Paul's just reflecting on it. Here it is. Sin made me do it. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I have before. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And together, let's read together verse 25. All together, out loud. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the key. That all this conflict, everything that happens inside of us, we can't not do it in ourselves. That's why our world is filled with so much conflict, so much dissension, so much confusion. Because in our sinful nature, we just can't do it. That's what the law did. It showed us our need for Christ. And I love here what Paul's saying, thanks be to God. There is an answer today, but it's only through Christ. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power and the authority that's in your word today. God, and I pray is that we have gathered here together, Lord, and taken time out of our lives, intentionally gathered here today, not to hear from human wisdom or just another person to speak, but God, we desire to have your word change our lives. God, let your word that is living and active speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that every word that is spoken out of my mouth today would not be my words of just human wisdom, but God, it would be your presence, it would be your anointing, it would be your authority through your word that touches our hearts. For God, it's your word that changes lives. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you today. We open our minds to you today, and we just say we're open vessels today, our hands open wide, saying we receive from your voice to get your strength so that we can, Lord, live a life that makes a difference. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray all of this. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, you can go be seated as you turn to your neighbor. Tell them it's good to see you this morning. All right, now turn to your second choice and say, it's also good to see you too. <laughs> well, here we go. This conflict within ourselves. We see the Apostle Paul had it tremendously. Love how he addresses it. I think as we all read that, you can see that in within yourself as well at times of your life. I know I deal with it all the time within me. My whole life as I've been growing up at different times, I struggle with all these different men. I want to do this. I want to be better at this. And it really is. It's that battle. It's the battle of dying to ourselves. It's really knowing how does life really work. And I love this story. I saw it this way. And maybe this is how we can explain life here today. With all the, cliff, all the, the conflict that we may have inside. I came across this and heard this of how life can be explained as well another way. It says, on the first day God created the dog. God said, sit all day by the door of the house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. Well, the dog said, that's too long to be barking. Give me 10 years. I'll give you back the other 10. So God agreed. On the second day, God created the monkey. God said, entertain people. Do monkey tricks and make them laugh. I'll give you 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, Monkey tricks for 20 years? I don't think so. Dog gave you back 10, so that's what I'll do, okay? And God agreed. 
On the third day, God created the cow. You must go to the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun, have calves, and give milk and support the farmer. I'll give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life you want me to live for 60 years. Let me have 20, and I'll give you back the other 40, and God agreed. On the fourth day, God created man. God said, eat, sleep, play, marry, and enjoy your life, and I will give you 20 years. Man said, what? Only 20 years? Tell you what, I'll take my 20 and the 40 the cow gave back and the 10 the monkey gave back and the 10 the dog gave back. That makes 80 years, okay? Okay, God said, you have a deal. So ladies and gentlemen, this is why that for the first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. The next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. In the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. <laughs> and the last 10 years of our lives, we sit in front of the porch and we bark at everybody that goes by. <laughs> Life has just been explained. So what is our true identity? What is it that helps us with the conflict that's within? And I have found as we look through Scripture and we see how the Apostle Paul continues on, he, he addresses this question in chapter 7. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12 as he gives us some answers and insight of how we can really get free from this conflict from within. Now, we're never going to be free from conflict. Conflict is something that we're always going to have with us because conflict is what helps us grow and get better, right? It helps us show that we may be living our life the wrong way and we may need to turn to the right way. It may help us realize that, hey, maybe I did have some different thinking here that wasn't right thinking or God's way of thinking. It was just my human nature or the culture in which I'm seeing around me, and it really doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, and so that helps me become a better person as I become more like Christ. Because as Paul said, it's really Christ that makes the difference. Because as Christ followers, when you receive Christ in your life, it's not just a belief system. It's not just a faith. It's you are dying, literally dying to yourself, and you're living for Christ. You are no longer yours, but you're his. And I think this is where the conflict comes in with a lot of us is we just don't understand our identity what our true identity is in this earth. Why am I here? Why am I created? What am I supposed to do? What about this job? That's why I love this series that your pastor has brought you, Pastor Ken, and all these different aspects of facing conflict in our life. And it really boils down to, as we look at the conflict within, is who am I? What is my identity? Because when you know who you are and you know your purpose, then you know how to live it out and you know how to deal with the conflict from within. So let's take a look at it. Romans chapter, well, first of all, Mark Twain said a very important quote. I can't go past. It says, the two most important days in your life is the day that you were born and the day you found out why. It really is the power of your identity. And the wonderful thing is that God wants you and me, every one of us in this room, everyone here and online wants to know our purpose, our identity, so that you and I can make a difference. God is for us. He wants you to be better than yourself, and that's why he's made a way for that to happen if we will choose to embrace it. And that's why I love the Apostle Paul, because he brings these truths as he struggled in his flesh with it. He helps us overcome it through God's word. Here it is in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, and I love how he states that, that we have a merciful God. We have a God true that stands in judgment as well, but that's not how God is looking at us right now through his son Jesus. That's why he sent judgment will come, but right now you and I are living in the day of his mercy and his grace where he's calling us to live a life of freedom from our old sin nature. And here he says, the God of mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Again, I stop right there. Offer your bodies. It's a choice you and I make. That's part of the conflict. We get to choose. God is a God of choice. He doesn't make us slaves. He doesn't make us robots. He gives us choice. We can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose to obey or we can choose to disobey. We can choose to offer our bodies and our lives to him, not live for ourselves, but we live for his highest good, and we are a sacrifice of praise to him. It goes on. And pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then here's a key verse. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. There it is. Transformation is a powerful tool that God gives us. That we are born one way. We're born into sin. We're born into something. Or we choose to believe something that changes the way we live. We don't have to stay there. We find out it takes us to the wrong place or a dead end. And here's the mercy of God is that we can be transformed. We can be a new person. That's the power of God. And it goes on, it says, by renewing your mind. There's the secret. We have to change the way we think. We have to renew our minds. It's an action that we have to do. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will, which that's God's plan for you and me. But it happens as we renew our mind. Renewing our mind is changing the way we think. And what God really wants us to understand, I really see, are three things as we look in this chapter, chapter 12, is first of all, we need to know our true identity. We need to realize that you and I, that I am made in God's image. That's really who I am. I'm made in his image. The whole purpose that God created, you and me, when you go back to the beginning of Genesis, when he created us, I know I did life explained in that conversation that the dog had with God and we had with God. It's not true, though. That was just fun. <laughs> but God's word tells us back in the day with Adam and Eve, he cre- when he created mankind, when he created us, he created us in his image and likeness. God chose to be invisible God. Now, just because something is invisible doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it's not there. Yesterday, my wife and I enjoyed being out in Washington State. We were seeing the wind blow, all kinds of things. You could not see the wind. You couldn't see it. You couldn't hear the wind. All you could see is what the wind was doing to things that I could see. All I could hear is what the wind was doing to the things that I could hear. It wasn't the wind, it was the trees moving and making the noise, but it was the wind. You can't see it, but it's there. Our God has chosen to be the invisible God. And what I love about it is because he didn't want us just living our lives with what we see with our eyes. There's a faith to it. It's the unseen things. 
And that's why we have to embrace his power and realize that you and I are created in his image and in his likeness. So that means this world needs you to reflect his image. When people see you and they see me, they're not to see me. I am a dead man standing here before you. I am to just be a mirror, a reflection of what God has done in my life. Because if it was not for God in my life, I wouldn't be standing on this stage today. I am not here today because of my great works and all of my wisdom as a man and I am just to be praised because I'm a self-made man and I've done this all. I would not be on this stage if I did not have God's word that changed me, transformed me, and made me into a better person. I wouldn't be on this stage if I didn't have a wife that followed after God's heart and was willing to confront things in me that she sought to make me better and I embraced it. I am only here today because of God's reflection in my life and I can only give him praise for it. I can take no credit for it because it wasn't me. I would have been a totally different person. I was selfish, self-centered. My relationships were in it for what I could get out of it when I was younger. And until Christ got a hold of me and changed me, he made me into his image. And that's what you and I are to do. We're to reflect his image. You are the image of God in the world around us. And you've got to believe that. And if you don't believe that today because of what was spoken over you or what was told to you or because of culture, you feel too ugly, not good enough, not successful enough or whatever, that is all a lie. You are created in the image and likeness of God because he has a plan for you and a reason that you're here. And everybody you come in contact, you have the opportunity to be a reflection of who he is, his image. And that's what we're here for. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's, everybody say this word with me, handiwork. You're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There it is again. Only in Christ Jesus can you do these good works? Outside of him, we'll fall short every time. So we have to transform our mind to be created, realize that we are created by God, for God, and we are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he's already planned it for you. If you'll trust him and follow him, he's got good works for you. If you wonder if you're gonna make a difference in this world on your own, you'll probably have a lot of conflict with your mind and what you think. If you surrender your life to Christ, he's, got, he's already planned good works for you to do. I love Psalms 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Powerful scriptures. Matthew chapter 3, 16 through 17. One of my favorite verses in scripture because this is where we have two places in scripture where God records what he spoke over his son Jesus. Only two places where we have it recorded what God said to Jesus when he was here on the earth, and this was one of them. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, here's where God spoke, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I think it's so powerful 
that we have that verse and the two places that God spoke to his son. And at both places, the other was the Mount of Transfiguration. And at both places, God says the exact same thing. This is my son whom I love and in him I am well pleased. And this is the power of God as our father. He wants you to know that he loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. He gives us that identity that you are a son and you are a daughter. You belong to somebody. You're not just out there on your own. You are his. He loves you. He's for you. He will be with you. Even if you leave him, he'll never leave you. I can look in my life and I see where God's hand was on me when I didn't see his hand was on me. I didn't think he was there. And I look back and he was there all along. He never left me. He was faithful. That's the God we serve. And so he gives Jesus identity. This is my son. And then he gives him affection, whom I love. We all need affection. That's why we hear the world just talk about love, 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 love. But there's more to love than just saying it. It's something we all need. It comes from God because that's who God is, is he is love. And he gives this to his son, Jesus, whom I love. And then the last one is affirmation. We all need to be affirmed in our life. And God wants to do that. He knows that we all need an attaboy, an girl, every once in a while. God gives us that. He tells us that he is well pleased with us. Because see, here's the power of God. He doesn't see us in our action. He sees us for our potential. I mean, he knew we would be in sin. He didn't look at us according to our sin state and our brokenness. He looked at you and I through the eyes of potential. I can do a good work with that. I know they struggle. I know they're going to have conflict. So let me give them my word. Let me encourage them. Let me help them. So we got to know who we are, our identity. Then the second thing we got to do is we got to realize that I have a God-given purpose. When you have conflict going on in your mind with what to do and what to not to do, whatever, you got to remember, no, I've got a God-given purpose. I'm not here by accident, and I don't have anything to contribute to this world. I have a God-given purpose. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, Paul goes on to encourage us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, all of these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. See, each and every one of you in this room were created with purpose. The way God wired you and designed you is on purpose. The gifts, talents, and abilities that you have are not just something that are random. Your difference from the person next to you, the differences aren't to be despised. They're to be embraced as gifts and talents because my weakness may be your strength. Your strength may be my weakness. And on my own, I'm weak, but together we're better. And so that's what God wants you to understand is that you have a God-given purpose. And when we have conflict in our mind with what we're to do and what I've done and what I've done in the past and how do we get free from the past, Paul struggled with it because he knew what he had done in the past and how it wasn't right. How do we get through it? We remember, I'm God's, I'm not my own. I died, that old person died, I come alive in Christ. And then I have a God-given purpose to make a difference in this world. And what is our God-given purpose? If our if we're in the image of God and we're to reflect him, then our purpose is to bring the kingdom God of rule into our life. You and I are here to bring God's kingdom rule into every aspect of our life. We're to bring the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, 
the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness in a broken world that people don't have that or they're trying to find it within themselves and they just can't do it. We're to be people that are that salt and light. We're to be the people that pray for one another. We're the ones to love our enemies, not hate them. Bless your enemies, those that curse you and despite you, the Bible says. All of these contrary things that bring conflict to us, like how in the world am I supposed to love that person? They're so mean. (laughs) Because in my flesh, I can't do it. But if I realize I'm yours, God, it's not me doing it. It's you doing it through me. I die to myself, and I am a living act of worship. So we got to know that you have a purpose. Your purpose is to bring the kingdom of God a rule into every environment. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I love that verse because that's when I wake up in the morning, and I will say as a prayer, God, let today... Let my plans be according to your purpose then. If your purpose is going to prevail anyway, then Lord, let's just start off the day with let my plans today be according to your purpose. What am I telling myself? I'm breaking that conflict of my life has a difference. I don't know how he's going to use it, but I'm your hands and your feet today, God, to let my plans, whatever I do, let me reflect who you are. Let me bring your kingdom rule into every environment I'm in. And then the third thing we have is an assignment. So you're created in his image. Your identity is in Christ. You have a God-given purpose to fulfill while you're on this earth. You and I are his hands and feet to bring his rule into this earth. Then we have an assignment. Assignment, this is where you live out your purpose. See, our purpose doesn't change, but our assignments do. And this is where we have to realize that God has an assignment for each and every one of us, and those assignments will come and go. Those assignments will change where we live that out. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, the Apostle Paul encourages us in our assignments. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Now realize it doesn't say hate people that are evil. It says you hate evil. A lot of times that's the evil within ourselves. If you will learn to hate the evil that comes up within yourself at times and the thoughts that may become in that conflict and you hate, no, I hate evil. I'm not going to do it because I'm a child of God. I'm not, I have a purpose. I have a plan and I have a assignment to fulfill. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to hate that evil within me. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. This is how we live out our assignments. And our assignments can come and go. The challenge is, and this may be a word for somebody here specifically, you may be miserable in your assignment right now. Why am I at this job? Why am I doing this? Where am I going? I'm in a dead-end street. I don't like my assignment Just hang in there. The difference may not be your assignment. It may be you don't realize who you are and the reason, the purpose that God has you at this moment. Because God is always at work. He knows when we're in a place that's hard. See, God doesn't call us to easy. He's never called me to easy. But he does call us to peace. That in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the conflict, if we look to him, He'll give us peace, and we go the way of peace. And I'm here to encourage somebody here today that your assignment isn't what needs to change. It's your mind being renewed to realize why you're there and what God may have for you. 
And if you will be obedient in the assignment that he's called you in right now, he'll have another assignment that changed later because an assignment will prepare us for the next assignment if we embrace God and allow him to do the work in us. The challenge is we get our assignment confused with our identity and our purpose. And I see it all the time. I had a friend of mine. I saw this. He came to me. God was working in his heart. His name was Tommy. Tommy comes to me, asks if he could meet with me in my office. We meet together. And Tommy's like, man, I just know God has a purpose for me. I mean, I just feel his presence. I feel his call on my life. I just know I need to do something for God, and I'm ready to leave everything I'm doing right now just to follow after God and go do it, just to get into ministry. He was going to quit his job and just go into full-time ministry. And I'm listening to him, and I'm like, Tommy, why are you feeling this way? And he said, I'm at the top of my game. He's at the very top of the peak of his profession. He's an anesthesiologist. He's at the head of anesthesiology, and it's not fulfilling. He said, it just didn't bring me the joy. It just didn't bring me what it is, and I need to give it all to God. And I realized in that moment that Tommy wasn't needing to change his assignment. Tommy didn't realize that his assignment was the place he was to bring God's image and to bring God's kingdom rule into that environment of his life. And I was like, Tommy, I just think you need to realize God didn't bring you all this way. I cannot do. My brain was not created, and I was not created with the gift of healing like you do. Because you know an anesthesiologist doesn't get paid to put people to sleep, right? You and I can do that. They get paid to wake you back up. That's their gift. <laughs> we can all put someone to sleep. It's, their gift is making you come back awake again without feeling anything that happened. <laughs> So what, it, what Tommy was struggling with was his identity and his purpose was all wrapped up in his assignment. He had had his assignment was his identity. He's not an anesthesiologist. That's not his identity. And his purpose isn't to put people to sleep. That's just his assignment. His assignment is to be God, bring God's kingdom rule in every environment. And when he saw that, when we had that conversation and he saw it, it changed everything in him. He would shoot me a text every now and then. I just prayed with an atheist. He says, Corey, you wouldn't believe how open people are to prayer before they're about to go into surgery. Yeah. It changed everything. He prays with every patient, offers to pray with every patient, brings peace. I ended up having surgery on my ankle. I broke my ankle. He came in and took care of me, told me what was going to happen. Again, his identity is in Christ. His purpose is to bring the kingdom of God a rule in every environment it is. His assignment changes. My assignment can change. I've had several different assignments. And God changed mine recently. We all have different assignments that God may change us, but we've got to realize we're in, created in his image. We have a God-given purpose. And then we're just wherever he calls us to go fulfill it. That's what we need to do with everything we have, living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. Amen? Amen? Let's bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's here this morning.